Good evening. Today is Monday, March 20th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is, okay, I'm a little behind on this. I don't have that info in front of me, but I do know that our speaker is Joanna. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, Lisa. Hi, everyone. My name is Joanne C. from Montreal, Canada. I'd just like to start off um, with a little opening prayer. God, thank you for this moment to be of maximum service to you and my fellows. Use me to remind another of your love by how I speak, how I walk, be down, and rise up. Amen. So I'm Joanne, as I said. Um, by the grace of God, recovered today, one day at a time. I've been in the rooms for over 20 years and um, was a chronic compulsive overeater because I did not know how to follow instructions. Um, I've been asked to speak about step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. One of the truths was that I did not have the ability to cope with life on life's terms. And so um, this addiction manifested itself early on in my life. Um, I'm the youngest of three girls, what you would call the surprise or mistake. So right off the bat, my self-esteem was not very high, even though I had loving uh, and supportive parents but I felt I was never enough, that people had to love me the way I wanted to be loved. And um, at a young age of three, four, I suspect I was molested by my uh, babysitter's man's son. And so um, that did not manifest itself till my early teenage years. The, uh, the effects of these issues um, showed up in depression, food abuse, self-pity, anger, and I just feared that I, I, was, a, I was an imposter or a, a false self, I, I call it. Food was always a part of our family life. You know, being raised uh, in the Italian family, Food uh, was always part of our family gatherings. Whether it was celebration, we ate. Whether we argued, we ate. We mourned, we ate. And so um, I quickly saw food as comfort and love in many ways. Uh, the food disorder began showing up really in my uh, late teens as well, in my early 20s. The 10, 15 pounds became. 30, 40 pounds. Um, my life was either I was on a diet or I was off a diet. So um, it was not a middle ground. My identity and worth was basically if I was skinny or fat. If I was skinny, I was worthy and people saw me, saw me. If I was fat, I didn't exist. And so I commenced for the next 20 years losing and gaining weight. The unmanageability of the, all that never happening for longer than I think two or three months at a time. 
So when I last joined OA about 20 years ago, I had about 100 pounds to lose. By the grace of God today, I maintain a 50 pound to 60 pound weight loss. I, I'm going towards a healthy body weight, but because of the years of abuse of my body, this has left me with health issues and my weight loss is very slow because of metabolical and thyroid problems. But I've come to accept that and um, accept God's pace, not my pace. And I keep repeating and I keep accepting it one day at a time. And um, so I've, again, I'm looking at step four here because when I embarked on this journey of miraculous steps, I had to accept the fact that my life had become unmanageable, that a power greater than myself, that I had no idea what it was, was going to restore me to sanity. And that I surrendered in step three, my life and my will in my life to this power. And so it brings me to step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. This step is getting right with myself. I'm going to read on um, page 6364. Next, we launched out on a, cor a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision in step three was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by strenuous effort uh, to face and rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us from the sunshine of the universe. Our liquor or my compulsive overeating behaviors was but a symptom. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. My compulsive behaviors failed me in staying stopped, not only in food, weight loss, but my relationships and how I dealt with life and coped with it. How I coped with it is when it didn't go my way, I turned to food, I ate, and that was going to be better. It wasn't almost 20 years of constant relapse proved it to me. And so we start with column one, the resentments. We usually define uh, as an example on page 65, it shows us Mr. Mr. Brown. Uh, basically, who am I resentful at? It could be five minutes ago, the way it could be 20 years ago. If we if it's still a resentment, we put it down. Why am I resentful? What did they do to me? And it's because they did something to me that I'm resentful or they didn't follow my script. And what does it affect? God gave us beautiful natural instincts. That's what makes us survivors. Uh, in this world, but somehow 
um, based on childhood traumas, whatever in our life, it just brought us to behaviors that might have worked at that moment, but no longer work, at least not in my life. It no longer worked because I kept eating more and more and more. And the fourth is, where am I at fault? Those are the blocks. What are the defects that block me, that make me not aware of what I do because I am so involved with me, myself, and I? We have to identify the defects, the liabilities, the shortcomings that block me, the false pride, the dishonesty, the self-seeking, the fear, the selfishness, the impatience, and so forth. And the fifth is, how can I set matters right? What harms did I do? When I accept the flaws or the character defects, which, which basically for me was the fruits of this disease. And I did not want to look at them. But if I had to get recovered, I needed to be rigorously honest with myself. And so I identified the assets to strive for, i.e. humility, honesty, trust, generosity, other-centered, more than self-centered. So that's basically my resentment inventory. Then we go to the fears inventory. And I'm just going to read this part. We usually uh, name them all. What I'm, I'm scared of, I'll give you an example. I'm afraid of um, losing my job. How does that affect me? It affects my, my security, my pride, my relationships. Uh, why am I scared? What's going to happen? Am I going to be put out, you know, into the streets while I lose my home? And all that fear causes anxiety whereby I have already a, a, a final result of all this if I lose my job. And so this affects and threatens and interferes with my self-esteem and other ambitions. Um, that's column three. Column four, what does that block? Again, it's about the blockages that um, separate us from God. Where am I at fault? Where am I to blame for this fear? What is my mistake? Again, identifying the character defects. Um, when I did this, um, this inventory, character defects kept coming over and over again. I'm very analytical. I'm a financial planner. So A, B, and C, you get, you get D as a result. Well, uh, when I did that with this inventory, um, argumentative came up, impatient came up. And um, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I am argumentative. I am impatient. And how did that affect, in my, affect me and my relationships with people? And how, how did I behave in circumstances? And so I saw the liabilities or the defects in this case that 
that stemmed from fears. And again, the fifth calling was, okay, what would, how, how do I behave differently? Where's the power in my actions? And so again, I needed to be humble. I needed to trust that this power would guide me through whatever situation I had to deal with. And so the fears dissipated. The fear of losing my job and being out on, out on the street with no home. I was able to walk through it in, in a way that what I could control was to be as competent as I could in my job and be other-centered when it was all about me, how am I going to take care of myself and the anxiety of all that. And so being courageous, being trusting, and being self-confident is what God would have me be in my job so that I can feel safe and secure in my ability to do my job. And the last, last inventory was the harmful conduct, which includes the sex conducts. And that's how that I hurt people in my behaviors. Whom did I hurt? Um, how did I hurt them? What did I, did I unjustifiably arouse? Did they retaliate against me? Well, you know, why are they angry? What's wrong with them? What did I affect? Did I hurt them? How? Did I affect their self-esteem, their security, their ambition, their pocketbooks, and so forth? How was the relationship? Where was I at fault? Was I impatient? Was I argumentative? Was I um, envious, selfish, and patience? And so throughout these, all these inventories, these defects kept coming over and over again. Different situations. But what was the commonality? Oh, my gosh, I was argumentative. I was dishonest. I was impatient. I was intolerable. And so what this did for me was like, I stepped back and I saw, I did not know what I did not know. This process, and I, at every, at every inventory- a Reminder, five minutes. Thank you, thank you, Lisa. At every, at every inventory, whether it be resentful, the resentment inventory, the fear or the har harmful conduct, I asked God to guide my penmanship, to guide my thoughts, because I could not be honest with myself on this. I was too involved in me. And so um, in my harmful conduct, I asked God what would be my behavior that I needed to according to God's will. And the opposite of the defects, argumentative, was acceptance. 
the opposite of intolerance was tolerance and patience. And so I was able to see, okay, I'm impatient. What's the opposite that I have to do through actions is to be abs- uh, is to be patient. And that was how I was going to live in recovery. That was how I was unblocked. And through the harmful conduct um, inventory, I was able to make a list of the people that I hurt. And was this an easy process? No. I'm not going to tell you it was easy. But it was a life realization. And that even though it wasn't easy, it was it was gentle because, because this power that I had commenced to trust gave me enough trust to get through this process, keep me abstinent, and have further spiritual awakening. And it was a very humbling experience. And it was a process for me that I can live in my life through the different behaviors that I've been living in in my disease. And um, I, I realized that this disease lived in my um, default uh, defects that being argumentative did not protect me, did not soothe me. It actually caused havoc in my relationships. And so I had to let go in order for me to move forward in recovery. And uh, I live today the spiritual principles, the opposite of my defects, I, I, I practice, practice every day the best I can to better, to be better, not perfect, to be better. I have days where, yeah, I lose it, but I have a better way of handling and coping it through the step, step 10 process, 11 and 12. And um, I live, I try to live my day other focused, more than self-centered focused. And um, it is through my sponsees. What Thank you. It is through my sponsees that I, I relive the step four process. And every time I sponsor somebody, I learn something new about step four that I didn't know. And um, so with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. Excuse me. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week. We asked that you accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. 
If you would like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and I will call on the raised hands in order uh, and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. And Lisa, will you continue to time? Okay, great. Three minutes for each share and three minutes uh, for a question. If it's asked, three minutes for the answer. And uh, okay, good. All right. Well, who would like to start us off? Okay, Amy B. Am I unmuted? Did I get it? Yes, you, hear me? you are. Unmuted. Thank you Thank so much. Hi, Amy B, compulsive overeater, living very gratefully in a state recovered from the food today. Thank you so much, Lisa and Joanna, for your service. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody reading, everybody being here. So sorry I can't be on camera tonight, but I've been actively listening to every word. And Joanne, thank you so much for your really thorough personal experience with the fourth step and inventory and its place in the steps. You know, this need, this need to live on a spiritual basis that we find, you know, in steps one and then through two and then in three, just deciding that we're just going to do whatever we need to do to figure out how to live on a spiritual basis. And the first part of that is like, all right, all right, time to put your uh, spiritual money where your spiritual mouth is. It really is just ante up. Um, and uh, it's the beginning, it's the beginning of that, that journey to live on a spiritual basis. Um, and thank you, Joanne, for noting at the beginning that what we need to do, and forgive me if I'm paraphrasing, is follow directions. Um, and you did such a beautiful job of laying out the directions in the fourth step. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your service. I really appreciate it. Have a beautiful night. I pass. Thank you, Amy. All right. Melissa G is next. Hello, um, this was great. I really appreciated your share. I was taking a bunch of notes and I was wondering if you would be willing to walk through another fear that you have and how you kind of go about um, working through that. Sure, I'll, I'll give you a real life example. Um, And uh, please, um, if if you hear my voice cracking, it's because it's I'm living it. Um, I fear that I will never see my daughter again. <clears throat> the cause is that I cannot accept her belief life belief. This causes or threatens or interferes with my security, my ambitions, and my relationships. 
how it, it affects my security is that she will not be around to take care of me. My, my ambitions, that she's not going to be what I wanted her to be in life. My relations, that we will not reconcile. Where is uh, column four? Where am I at block at fault? Is that my intolerance of her decision, life decision, is unacceptable? Where my dishonesty that she can't have a successful life without me being part of it. Column five, the power. What should I have done instead? I should have trusted God and his plan for her. I should have been courageous and accepting of who she is as she is. I should have been patient with her struggles and her walk. And I should be trusting that God needs this time to heal her. That's... Ooh. Thank you. I felt that. <laughs> Thank you so much for the question and for the answer. All right, Meredith, you're next. Hi, everybody. I'm Meredith, a recovered compulsive overreader. Um, thank you, Joanne. It's always good to hear your shares. Um, I really appreciated that you, or at least I heard it this way, that you emphasized practice and it just has occurred to me lately that, um, at, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist too. And I want to have everything, I want to do everything right, right out of the gate. Um, but I'm so encouraged when I, when I fellowship and I look back at my, my interactions and see how miraculous they are. Um, compared to what they used to be. Um, and it's a practice. And of course, I mean, not every day goes well, but darn close. I mean, um, I feel, um, I don't know, just more grounded probably. I know I know where to go. I know what the solution to all of my problems is. And um, I can react, but I do a lot less of that um, because of this practice. And then I also wanted to ask you, um, you said you learn something new every time you sponsor. And could you share something that you learned by sponsoring what like one of your I don't know 
a little little nugget? Um, every time I read the doctor's opinion with a new sponsor, I need to always be reminded of that mental twist. Mm. I need to. Because mm. the, 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 somebody sent me something today, uh, a fellow, and um, when we pass on the message, we share the power that we live in our recovery to that suffering compulsive overeater. And that compulsive overeater one day will also be recovered. That is the promise in the big book. There is permanent recovery in these rooms through the miraculous of the 12 steps. We see it every day, we hear it every day. We act it every day. It's an this program, you know, we've heard it many times. It's an action, action, action. And you know what? You mentioned Meredith perfection. Yeah, that's a, an absolute in the disease. If it's you know, do it perfect, well, you're no good. Well, no. Perfection does not equal my self-worth. Mm -hmm. Surrender and willingness is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Meredith and Joanne. And Jim, you are next. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, everyone. I'm Jim, and I'm a recovering food addict. Um, thanks, Joanne, for your share. I really, really appreciate it. I'm struggling with some work fears and I heard you name some of those and also name some assets around uh, self-confidence and generosity being othered focused. And I'm just curious how you practice that self-confidence and generosity. I, um, <clears throat> I had my own, my own company and the, the, the challenges of working and having employees, you know, when they're not in their place and everything is not going my way in the past, I've, I've become not a very good or nice boss. And I have to be a leader by, by serving for me, by example. When there's a situation, um, I go to that place of pause because the first instinct on my own would be, okay, this is how I'm going to react. And so the guidance that living in my spiritual um, principles is the opposite of what, of what I used to do. So when I used to be impatient, with my employees, I now am patient. And it's not oh, a head thing where, okay, I have to be patient. It's really asking for God's guidance and strength to do it. And so when a situation comes, a work situation, 
I have to look at it through the lenses of, of, of how God would have me be. And this is where we have pauses and we say, okay, what would you have me be here? And we just wait. And 9.999 times out of the 10, an intuitive uh, thought comes in that's followed by an act. And um, most of the times it, it is my sp spiritual principles, the opposite of what I used to do in the disease. Don't be argumentative. Say, all right, you know, how about if we look at it this way? What do you think? And involve them. And um, that's how I, I deal in my work situation. And that makes it for a, a peaceful and, 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 and conducive environment. Thank you. Thank you so much for the question and the answer. And I'm going to take a turn and start my timer. Okay, Lisa Compulsive Overeater. Thank you again, Joanne. That was wonderful. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the a lot of people look at the four step as like they're scared to do it. I, I don't know. Some people have had bad experiences with it, you know, like, like it's a shaming activity. But I love how, you know, the big book talks about it's a, um, it's a, um, you know, we're looking at the stock and trade, we're getting down to causes and conditions, not Lisa, you're a bad person, you did a bad thing, you know, kind of thing. Um, so that's what I love about it. And um, <clears throat> sorry, I, um, and this is the perfect topic for me to be honest and say that I have decided to start my time over. Um, not that that's a big deal. Not everybody has to do that kind of thing, but I have been, um, I've been partaking in a compulsive food behavior that, um, has been going on for quite some time and I've kind of tried to make it okay. And it's just not, it's just not okay. Um, anymore. And, um, so, you know, the character defects are huge in this. There's the, there's the selfish, you know, I don't want to lose my time. You know, it's that whole status thing. Like I really have status in Overeaters Anonymous, um, you know, or I don't want to let my sponsees go. It's the selfish part. And then there's of course the dishonest piece, you know, that for me, and some people can partake of this particular activity and that's that's great but with me it's just it just wasn't sitting well um self-seeking of course um uh, i'm thinking oh my god everybody's gonna look down on me and blah 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 and you know that's just my ego <laughs> um and then the fear the fear that i don't know like am i am i going to be able to let this go you know but i kind of feel like if God brings me to it, he's going to get me through it kind of thing. Um, and if he brought it enough to my awareness to want to be honest about it, then um, I think it's, I think it, he wants to free me of it, hopefully. So um, anyway, this was a, a really good topic for me to hear tonight. Thanks. And I will pass to Leslie.
Hi, thank you so much. And Joanne, thank you so much. Um, my name is Leslie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I was um, writing down, God brought me to it. Um, so he will help me get through it. I, I, I really, that, that was just a beautiful, um, I don't know. I've never heard that in these rooms. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't been listening, but that was really a cool thing. Um, I, Joanne, I would love to call you and um, talk to you one-on-one. Um, -on -one. It would really be a gift to me to do that. Um, when I redid the fourth step this time, um, about 10 months ago, 11, uh, somewhere in there, um, it really brought me a new freedom that I haven't experienced before. And that was mostly around uh, what I, I think of as the fourth column. I may have missed that in your, um, in your share. When you said the fifth column, I got a little bit confused because I, the fourth column was so powerful for me um, to take ownership of my part in it. And I don't know whether that, that, is the same for you uh, is the fourth column. So could you uh, explain that a little more deeply? And if you're okay with me calling you, I, I would love to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Yes, I'm putting uh, my name in the chat with my phone number and everything. Um, the fourth column is exactly the behaviors that blocks, block us. From, from, from God, from being protected from the obsession and the compulsion, the thoughts and the actions. So we're putting down the actions that start in our mind. If we're scared, we're defiant, we're self-seeking, we're, it's about us, 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 us. And so, yeah, I have to own to, own, the, own to the fact that I I behave that way with people in my relationships at with my family, at work, with circumstances, what have you. So I had to define and know consciously what did I do that didn't that kept me picking up. Every time somebody didn't do what I wanted or circumstances did not happen the way I had planned it out. Once I discovered what those defects were and I noticed it like every time there was a common one with different situations or people. And that identified to me when I did not get what I want. I ate thinking I was going to get what I wanted. And I didn't. And I didn't. And the column five was, okay, so this is what I used to do. How do I live differently in this recovery? What would God have me be? Because in step three, I surrendered my will, my thoughts, and I surrendered my life, my actions to a higher power. So I needed to know how I had to act 
in this recovered abstinence state. Right? Thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne. And Joanna, we're going to stop the recording.